Today is the first Sunday in Advent. In, in this season, the church traditionally looks forward to the second coming of Christ. When Christ will return on a white horse with a flaming sword and fire in his eyes. And while we all may want God to tear open the heavens and return in the fullness now, the church also reminds us in this season of Advent to remember Christ's lowly first coming as a child born in a barn to an unwed mother and her betrothed. Advent reminds us to slow down as it also leads us toward the Christmas day and the Christmas season. We pause to remember. And in our remembering, to look forward. So how do you wait? How do we wait? When everything is in process and there's such a flurry of activities and so much movement and expectation of us. How do we cultivate stillness and presence? We enter rhythms and movements, seasons and circumstances, revolutions and recurrences. And the completion of one rhythm gives way to a new rhythm. Advent is a season of both excitement and yearning, and also stillness and silence. The call to worship from last week reminds us the moments of silence in the song is also the song. A pause in poetry is also the poem. This silence and yearning is evidenced in what is known as the intertestamental period. Between Malachi, the last book of the Hebrew scriptures, and Matthew, the first book of the Christian scriptures, there were 400 years of silence without any prophetic voice. There had been religious teachers, such as the rabbis, Hillel and Shammai. But like some of today's religious teachers, they often debated the finer points of religion and too often followed popular social, religious, and political agendas rather than preach good news to the poor and share their lives with those on the margins. During the intertestamental period, there were also people of means, such as the Maccabees, who waged war against the Seleucids to restore Israel's independence as a nation. 
They wage war for an earthly kingdom that lasted less than 100 years before the land and the people were again subjugated, first by the Greeks and then the Romans. At the end of these 400 years, an elderly, barren woman named Elizabeth became pregnant with the one who would be called John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Elizabeth, pregnant with the one who is prophesied by Malachi to proclaim the promised one for all the world. The scriptures mention John's birth, but nothing of his childhood. We might imagine John and Jesus as children. They were cousins, spending summers together with their families on the Sea of Galilee. But no one wrote those stories. We do know that John and Jesus both spent their entire lives living under Roman occupation. We know that they witnessed liberation movements, heard stories about those who made messianic claims as well as those who fought to remove the yoke of oppression placed upon them by Rome. They also saw those, such as tax collectors and tetrarchs, who benefited from cozying up to those in power. Jesus spent his formative years in Galilee, which was a hotbed of revolutionary activity. There was Simon of Perea, who'd been a slave of Herod the Great. And this Simon claimed to be the Messiah and the king in the lineage of the Davidic dynasty. And this Simon raised up many followers and in revolutionary fervor burned down the royal palace in Jericho. He met a quick demise when Herod's soldiers killed him and his followers in the year about 4 BCE, four years before Christ, before the Common Era. And a year later, in the year 3 BCE, a Therangis, an Israelite shepherd turned insurgent, was killed by the Romans for leading an uprising. And Judas of Gamala, perhaps the most well-known insurgent, led a violent revolution against Rome in reaction to the heavy taxation placed upon the Galilean peasantry. This Judas was killed around the year six, or the six of the common era. Jesus and John were surely familiar with these stories of first century Jewish revolutionaries and purported messiahs. And it's important to note that even while they heard their stories, they chose another path. Neither John nor Jesus advocated violent revolution. Yet they were both murdered for their rhetoric, if not also for their actions. Jesus executed under Roman law and John beheaded under Herod's regime. 
And the violent revolutionaries are merely side notes in history. Whereas John and Jesus, who never raised a sword or gave an order to kill, initiated a liberation movement that is still alive today. The gospel writers describe John the baptizer who came blazing across a sky filled with darkness. Jesus said that John was a burning and shining lamp. And he said that among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. This baptizer lived in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey and wearing a girdle of camel's hair. Scriptures say he had the favor of nobody. He had the Roman army and the Jewish aristocracy against him. He had the Pharisees and the Sadducees against him. And when these, these religious elites came to receive his baptism, he called them a bunch of snakes, a, a brood of vipers. John had no possessions. And the scriptures clearly say that John performed no miracles. He did not exercise demons. He didn't restore sight to the blind or heal the sick. Neither did he raise anyone from the dead. What he did do is proclaim the imminent arrival of the Messiah and the kingdom of God. He prophesied the advent of Christ and bore witness to the Holy One. In the wilderness, John had been seeking God and crying out to God and crying out to others on God's behalf. He was immersed in the Holy Scriptures and knew that Isaiah had prophesied that one day a person should come in the wilderness crying, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. He knew that way would be called the way of holiness, and fools will not enter therein. John understood the importance of his message. He did not preach a self-centered message of self-help. He did not wax poetic or lose himself in philosophical musings. He preached repentance for the remission of sins. He preached Christ and salvation. John counted the cost of fidelity to God and in the end paid the price with his life. John baptized Jesus in the Jordan. And it was during Jesus' baptism that John receded and Jesus' ministry began. In the baptismal waters, the Spirit of God in the form of a dove descended upon Jesus. And the heavenly parent tore open the heavens and said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And now, two millennia later, we, the church, 
the Christ body continue to wait for God to again tear open the heavens. We eagerly await for the fullness of God's promise. We await the return of Christ eagerly. In this season, may we dwell deep. As the days get shorter and the nights grow longer, may we yearn for the promised one to return in the fullness. Amen.